What does wellness look like as a medical student? Why is it important to recognize when you need to ask for help? How do you approach handling depression and medical school at the same time? Finally, what type of resources are available to medical students here at the University of Utah School of Medicine? Today on Talking Missions of Med Student Life, I interview Rebecca, a fourth-year medical student here at our school. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions in Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions in Med Student Life. Got a great guest today, Rebecca. Hello. Hi. Rebecca uh, comes to us today uh, just wrapping up her third year of med school mm-hmm. and just thinking about life mm-hmm. as a fourth year student. Um, and then we were just talking a little bit before I turned on the pod uh, about wellness. So let's yeah. just dive right into it. Yeah. What is wellness? Wellness, that means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've had to remember about wellness, not just in medical school, but in life, is that when I'm looking at, I can't compare my wellness to somebody else's wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at some of my classmates and I think, wow, they have it together. Everything's amazing in their life. Why is it so hard for me? But I have to remember I'm looking at their highlight reel. I'm looking at their mm. best face in public and comparing it to my worst day in private type of thing. And personally, for me, wellness meant there's lots of different facets. You can talk about social wellness, your social life, your academic life, your spiritual life, whatever, whatever is more most important. And I actually recently went through kind of an exercise with myself and I was looking at those different aspects and I was just kind of thinking really objectively, what is the most important to me at this moment? And it switches. Currently, um, I'm have no problems or questions in my spiritual life. And so that's not something I'm working on. Um, I feel confident in my academic skills, which is not how it's always been the case in medical school. But I, like you said, I'm just starting fourth year. So I feel like, wow, I've gotten this far. I didn't, there's times I did not think I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm here. And so all of a sudden I'm starting to get, gain confidence in my skills as a medical student and my skills moving forward as a future physician. Um, so that feels good. Uh, what I'm personally working on right now is kind of like the social piece. Uh, I feel like I've kind of struggled with that a little bit in medical school and, and then kind of a subset of the social piece is also is, uh, intimate relationships, whether they be family relationships or romantic relationships and things like that. So what do you mean by, uh, social piece? So, well, so I mean, medical school is very, very difficult, very time consuming, very challenging. And there's times where you have more free time than others. Mm -hmm. And Going into fourth year, I'm realizing my fall schedule is going to be a bit demanding. There's some 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 hard electives that I need to take and and um, do well on. But spring semester, I'm going to have a little bit more flexibility, and I'm kind of realizing, you know what, um, I could have treated myself and my friends a little bit nicer during med school. This is all in hindsight, of course, but. Uh, do you feel you're mean to your friends? I don't feel like I was mean. I feel like uh, it's, just, just it's, didn't nurture the friendship. It didn't nurture some of the friendships, and okay. it kind of makes and it kind of makes me sad. Mm. Um, I didn't prioritize some people that I should have prioritized, uh, but um, that's something that's just kind of like a life balance skill that I'm going to need to learn going forward. When you started medical school, uh, were you thinking about? this wellness concept or did it just kind of creep up on you? It kind of creeped up on me in a big way. Um, I wasn't thinking of like, how can I take care of myself? It was all of a sudden I'm in medical school and I 
feel like, yes, medical school puts a lot of pressure on you, but I was putting a lot more pressure on myself than I needed to. Um, I was very nervous about everything, every test, every assignment, um, more so than I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just needed, I, I, I had proven through my undergraduate course and through my standardized exams and through everything that you need to do to get into medical school, I had proven that I could be there and I should be there, but I didn't trust that. Mm. And so I immediately became very nervous about everything. And it wasn't until about, um, a year or two into it that I realized, you know what, I'm kind of stressing myself out Mm -hmm. a lot more than I need to. And maybe, and I need some outside help. And there is a medical wellness program here at the U and it has some different resources. There's a, there's a physician who oversees uh, the wellness of the students. So if there's any mental health needs that maybe require medication, then we can go and see that, that physician. There's also uh, several therapists um, uh, that are licensed and ready to work with the medical students as you know, on whatever basis they need and so whatever like therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so that was kind of the first thing I did is I, uh, I believe it was during second year that I realized, you know what, I need somebody in my corner that can talk me through this. And that's when I started the talk therapy through the medical wellness program. And so that was kind of the first thing, but, um, was it hard for you to make that step? Cause I know, so just from my vantage point, yeah. from what I see, um, uh, I think wellness is incredibly important and I think your generation, the rising generation is much more open about talking about these things mm-hmm. and recognizing it and discussing it. Mm-hmm. But there's still a slight sliver of stigma, yes. I would say. Yes. Um, and so I think the wellness program, they do a lot of outreach. They introduce themselves. They do all these kind of fun kind of little mm-hmm. projects, I would say. Mm-hmm. They have like noon meetings. Mm-hmm. And free yoga classes. Yeah, free yoga classes. Meditation classes. How to like cook healthy food for yourself yeah. classes. Yeah. They track down the pets mm-hmm. uh, before pet finals, therapy. Yep. Pet, pet therapy. So, you know, so what I know about, it, I think it's kind of important, but, you know, for people to take that step, I think is also uh, incredibly important as well. Mm-hmm. So w- was it difficult for you? It was, it was slightly difficult. Um, the reason I'm here today talking about this is because I want to kind of normalize my experience. And mm-hmm. I feel like, Yes, while my generation maybe is a little bit more open in talking about it, maybe not among medical students. We are all very driven. We're all very type A. Type A. Um, Some of us more high strung than others. I put myself in the high strung group. Most people don't think that Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like I've gotten very good at this is the face I put out to the public versus what I'm actually feeling inside. But um, I I wanted to normalize and validate anyone who maybe is experiencing this for the listeners. If you're still in college, maybe you've already been feeling this in college. Maybe if you're currently in medical school, wherever you're at in your training uh, to say you're not alone and it's okay. And there are steps you can take to, to towards a better quality of life while you're going through this journey. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, I actually had in college again, I was still high strung in college. I definitely didn't know how anxious and um, uptight I could get until medical school. Like I didn't realize there's like a new depth that I was going to reach. And I found that during third year during clerkships, which is um, clerkships happened during third year medical school. But um, so I, what would that look like? I I would the high strung. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking about lack of sleep or lack of sleep disturbance in your appetite. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm talking about anxiety, but I, 
kind of hand in hand with anxiety is also depressive symptoms. And um, during during the course where we learned about the psychiatric illnesses, there's actually a mnemonic that that they threw out to the medical students called SIGI CAPS. Mm. SIGI CAPS stands for so S sleep, um, either too much sleep or too little. I was getting too much. Uh, I is interest. Uh, the medical term for that is anhedonia that you'll learn. But interest meaning are you losing interest in things that you once enjoyed? And that was definitely me. I had lost my hobbies. I had lost touch with things that like felt like these are for fun mm-hmm. rather than what I have to do. G is uh, guilt. And under guilt, you can also f- kind of feel like hopelessness, worthlessness. And I definitely felt pretty hopeless about mm-hmm. things. E is energy. Um, I had zero energy, it felt. Um, for how much sleep I was getting, I felt like I had almost no energy. And then C, concentration. Uh, one of the most important things that a medical student can have is concentration. Yes. And I did not have it. You need to be focused. Yeah. yeah, you need to be focused. And I was, I had it enough to get through my exams, to get through my studying, but it was hard. And it was like mentally, it was taking a lot out of me because I couldn't focus and concentrate as much as I need. And then appetite, uh, to keep going on with a mnemonic, um, either too much or too little. I went too little. I actually lost uh, a little bit of weight between the first the first two years of medical school, not on purpose. It was just because I wasn't eating. And then P is for psychomotor retardation, meaning, you know, you feel like you just can't move. You just can't get going. Um, I'm not so sure that I felt that so much. And then S, the last S, the second S, uh, first S was for sleep. And the last S was for suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. And suicidal ideation, um, what I mean by that is just thinking about it. There's a whole spectrum of people, um, a whole spectrum that you can think of what does not living mean, meaning all the way from passively like, oh, this is hard. I just don't want to be here. I wish I wasn't here anymore to actively like creating a plan. plan yeah. So there's a whole spectrum. And that's something that I definitely there's some mornings I would wake up and I'm like, I just wish that I didn't wake up mm-hmm. first. You know, I just like, why can I just like quietly slip away in the night because I have to f- face another day, mm-hmm. go to another day of medical school. And there was definitely days I had that. And so Siggy Caps, that's the mnemonic I learned. I've also there's another one that I've heard. It's a uh, digs capes because uh, Batman is the broodiest and most depressed yes. superhero, and he yeah. digs capes. So a lot if you of trauma in his life too, yeah. <laughs> so if you rearrange the the order of all those, you also get digs capes. But anyway, no more mnemonics. But that's so you learned this during second year. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I learned that mnemonic during second year, and I had kind of already. F- and what was ironic is I just didn't quite. It didn't quite click. Mm-hmm. Even though I was feeling a lot of those things, I didn't realize I could look at all those symptoms and I was kind of so not connected with myself. I didn't realize I was having all those symptoms. Like I met the criteria for what we call a major depressive disorder. I wasn't just depressed, but I was clinically, I had a clinical mental illness and it was affecting my academic performance. I was still passing. I was still doing just fine. But in retrospect, I feel like if I had recognized it sooner and gotten more help sooner, I probably would have gotten even better grades. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm smart enough. I'm capable enough. But when you can't concentrate, when you're not when you're sleeping too much, when you feel hopeless about things, you definitely don't put your whole heart and soul into things. Yeah. And I wasn't. And what you said at the beginning, because it's multifaceted, mm-hmm. I assume during this time uh, your relationships were suffering yes, as well. Yes, yes. Um, especially during third year, there was a, a man I was dating. And frankly, I was like head over heels in love with him, but he didn't know it. He, I wasn't communicating it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, our communication was terrible just because I was so stressed out with school. I, I, I was doing well 
day to day at school. Mm -hmm. So during third year on the clerkships, when I'm on the wards, when I'm, you know, working with the surgeons, working with the internal medicine docs, um, rotating through the different departments. When I was face to face with them, I was fine. I was putting all my energy into being bright and open and wanting to learn and wanting to be taught. And they responded really well, but it took so much energy out of me that I was coming home and I was just exhausted. I would, I would have a 12 hour shift and then I'd come home and sleep for 10 hours. And so I wasn't leaving any time for me and him. And, and, um, frankly, I was probably, I wasn't probably, I was mean to him Mm. (laughs) at times because, and I didn't realize how mean I was being to him because I, I was so stressed out and, uh, it ended up, that relationship ended up not surviving third year. Um, we actually broke up three days before my, my end exam in surgery. Mm. (laughs) That was not my best. My, that was not my best that exam was not a good score. Time. No, it was it was it was it was bad in surgery. The end, the shelf exam is what they call it at the end of um, clerkships. So the shelf exam for surgery is known to be one of the harder ones. So I'm already facing one of the harder tests, and then I definitely my head wasn't in the game that day. So during the first two years, because it's more classroom based, mm-hmm. I would imagine it's easier to access the wellness program. Yes. Um, how did you do that during third year? Because third year, you're more committed to the hospital yes. on rotation. Yes. Were you still able to get away for like these therapy appointments mm-hmm. or how how that work? Not as much. So the first two years, I was going weekly. It okay. was, you know, I knew exactly what my schedule was. I knew when my lectures were. And so I was able to schedule weekly appointments and I was able to schedule my weekly appointment several weeks out to make sure I had the time I wanted, the time slot. Um, during third year, not so much. I was maybe getting in once every month, every six weeks. Mm. And... Um, the reason is, is because I'm, you know, some of my hospital schedules demanded 12 hour days. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I, I, I can't make those therapy appointments and sometimes I don't know the schedule well enough in advance to get those. So the days, the times I was able to go and see, um, my therapist through the wellness program was the weeks that I knew I had nights. Yeah. So I would get a hold of her as soon as I knew. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm like my, my, my rotation ended at 7am. Mm-hmm. My my duties ended at 7 a.m., so I made sure I got the 8 o'clock appointment with her. So that was the times I was able to see her. Or if I knew a holiday was coming up or sometimes some clerkships, the way they schedule you, you have like the half day before your final exams. And so I would try to schedule that morning. Um, but what uh, the mistake I made is knowing I knew going into third year, I wasn't going to be able to access those resources as much, but I didn't put something in their place. Mm. Um and so I think that's kind of where third year got away from me is, is the, uh, momentum and the good things I had built during the second year of medical school, going to those therapy appointments, I didn't put something in their place when all of a sudden they were gone. Mm-hmm. Instead, I, I, um, kind of fell back into my old habits of I'm super high strung. I'm not connected to myself. I'm not realizing what's going on, um, uh, with my emotions and, and not taking good care of myself mentally. So if a third-year student uh, was pregnant or had diabetes mm-hmm. or had some sort of issue or illness and they needed to go see a physician, I'm pretty sure the different teams would allow that student to go to that appointment. Yes, yes. Did you ever feel comfortable and talk? I mean, did you tell the teams what was going on or you kind of kept it to yourself? I kind of kept it to myself. Okay, so you um, never asked them specifically? No, okay. no, I didn't specifically. I feel like there was a time, um, I, I, luckily I don't have any medical issues where I need to go to go see a doctor regularly for, mm-hmm. um, for medical stuff versus, uh, uh, psychologic help. But 
I do know of classmates that, you know, they have, sometimes it's an emergency and sometimes it's things that crop up, you know, something that you're like, I have this acute illness. Mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of talking to their team and saying, I need to go do this. And, and some teams were definitely easier to work with than others. Mm -hmm. It just depended on the schedule and it depended on, on your team. And that was, that's part of navigating third year and not just navigating third year, but like someday navigating my full-time job as a resident. And then, and then someday as my job as an attending physician Mm -hmm. is just trying to figure out when. And can you fit in those moments in your busy work schedule? Rebecca, during this entire time, um, thoughts about quitting, walking away from med school? Yes. <laughs> so tell me about those. Yeah. Um, I assume you would talk about that with your therapist. I'd talk about that with my therapist. Um, I also became really good friends with the dean of student affairs because okay. um, he was the one that if I did um, want to walk away, he would help me handle a lot of the, the logistics of it. Yeah, paperwork and, and stuff. And the paperwork yeah, and yeah. things. And so I was very... Uh, I felt comfortable being very honest with him and kind of where I was at. And he knew that I was suffering from depression and that I was um, being seen by the medical wellness program. And I uh, just had lots of really honest conversations with him and saying, if I quit now, what does that mean? What does that mean for my grades? If I had to take a medical leave of absence, what does that mean? Because there was points where it was so bad that I really felt like it would be better for me to maybe just step away for a time. And if I could recover a little bit of mental and emotional energy, a little bit of mental and emotional juice, mm-hmm. I could come back. And he always, um, he, we would take an honest look at my grades. We would see where I was at. We would see how I was doing. And he, he, he very gently and lovingly kind of encouraged me to keep going. He's like, you know what, if there was, there's times when I tell students they need to step away, but I don't think that's where you're at. I know that's where you feel. Mm-hmm. But again, it's up to you and I'm here to support you. So I was very grateful that I had him as a resource. Mm-hmm. And so I talked with him about it. And of course, my therapist and occasionally I'd reach out to my parents and they're uh, love them to death. But at the same time, they're not super helpful with that just because they've I'm going to be the first physician in my family. My mom did graduate um, college with her four year degree. But as far as like this amount of education and just like the demands and things like the that stress associated just, with yeah. yeah it just doesn't quite and i don't think um i don't i don't know that the 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 loans and the money that i've accrued kind of mm-hmm. has taken at least in their mind full mm-hmm. effect of like what that means i'm like no i am this much in debt right mm-hmm. now um which is also kind of a kind of a a deciding factor for me too is there was that break even point where I was kind of like, you know what, if I get out now, I'm this much in debt, but I think I have a bachelor's degree. I could go get, you know, a job at X doing X, Y, and Z, and I could probably pay it off and still be okay mm-hmm. without accruing too much debt and not being, not having these loans to pay off forever that actually didn't, um, end up getting me a degree, uh, as a, as a MD. And, uh, but I kept sticking with it and it, kept working out. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, sometimes, uh, sometimes I was passing by the skin of my teeth and other times I was like f- flourishing and mm-hmm. it just, it just depended on how well I was kind of taking care of myself at that point. Mm-hmm. It definitely correlated the times I was taking better care of myself. I did a lot better with my grades. I know there are other students, um, with depression, with anxiety. Yeah. Did you reach out to them and like, were they support during these times or was this mostly just you, your it was, therapist, it was the Dean of Student Affairs? Yeah, it was mostly me and my therapist. Okay. Um, and that was my personal choice. I didn't feel comfortable. I knew that if I was in the middle of a really bad depressive episode, mm-hmm. um, whether it be for one day or a couple of weeks, depending on how it was, long it was lasting, if a friend reached out to me, I don't know if I'd be able to support them because okay. I was stressed out about the same tests that they were. I was worried about the same things that they were 
And so I was worried for me personally putting that on somebody else. And some, if you talk to one of my other classmates, I know that there's others who, who, who suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, Maybe they have a different um, take. Maybe they were able to reach out to classmates and they did find the support they need. I don't know, but that's not, that's not what I chose for myself. Okay. All right. So third year comes to an end. Mm -hmm. Is it like emerging from the tunnel a bit or (laughs) uh, just tell me, walk me through that. It's, it's surreal. It's super surreal. Third year is so intense and it's so intense for so long. It it started, I want to say June 12th last year for us ended May 26th. So for nearly 11 months, um, almost, yeah, almost 12 months, we're in this really intense uh, what I, the way I explained it to people that were non-medical was imagine being at your, your, a new job for an entire year. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you're, you're on a team maybe for two weeks, you finally kind of start getting the hang of things. You feel like you got it. And then they bounce into another department. Mm -hmm. So you are at a new job for an entire year and you never quite get your feet under you. And you kind of go through this transition where it's super alarming and you don't quite know what to do with it. Um, as a third year medical student to all of a sudden at the end of the year, all the ambiguity is fine. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. My last clerkship, I'm like, uh, they're like, what, what, what team are you going to be on tomorrow? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to show up. I'm going to find out. It'll be fine. Uh, you mean you haven't looked up the cases? You don't know what patients you're going to see? No, but I've been studying this topic. So, you know, it's probably going to be a patient that hopefully has either one of these diseases. And I've already studied that. So I hopefully will know the pimp questions that mm-hmm. the doctor throws at me or I'll know the indications for whatever surgery we're doing. And all of a sudden you're kind of okay with the ambiguity. So that was kind of an interesting transition towards the end of third year to all of a sudden see myself being okay with all of those things that stressed me out at the beginning of third year. But you definitely feels like emerging from the tunnel. So you, third year ends and then I took a few weeks off to study for step two. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden not being super busy, not working 10, 12 hour days, not working six days a week, all of a sudden now having all this time in front of me, I'm still studying, but not being super busy like that. It feels, it feels odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feels really odd but um yeah a good odd a good odd and now i'm looking at starting my first elective of third year in a few weeks um and it's going to be a big one it's going to be uh uh difficult and hard and so i'm like oh great now i have to get back into that mode Mm. (laughs) now that i've transitioned from super intense clerkship mode i'm gonna have to go back into that but how was your psychiatry rotation was that like was that a really good experience was it surreal how would you describe it? it was a really great experience um why for 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 me personally i'm considering uh child psychiatry as my specialty so i loved it for that aspect um i was very very lucky actually no i'm not going to say i'm going to take that back i wasn't i was about to say i was very lucky with the attendings i got but that's not the true because what i've heard from most of my classmates is everybody loves their psych rotation because the attendings and the residents that you work with are just really 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 great people i mean that's what they're going into it's like wellness mental health and wellness and so they they themselves just seem to be really solid people and and i just felt really part of the team i felt really taken care of mm-hmm. um i had a great time with the, the teams i got put on and um that aside though it was interesting it was interesting and a little bit surreal talking to these patients because by this by this point I had recognized my psychiatry um, clerkship was actually the second to last for third year so by this time I'd really I'd realized how kind of far away I've gotten from my emotional and mental wellness and I had taken big steps to get back to it and so by the time I got to psychiatry it was really interesting sitting there and being able to objectively listen to these patients and their experiences and I kind of felt I 
I just, especially the, the, the teenagers I worked with, um, uh, who were suffering from major depression. Um, it was a little surreal listening mm. to what they were saying. And I'm like, that's what I feel <laughs> <laughs> like. I feel the same way. Um, you know, and all of a sudden I felt not as alone and, and, you know, I still kept it professional and there was a, there was a role I was serving and, and, and I was the student doctor and they were the, they were the, the patient. And so, um, uh, kept that, that professional boundary there. But I, at the same time was really introspective on me and, 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 I, I feel made some good headway as far as kind of, again, getting back to what I feel like should be a baseline for me is this mm-hmm. is my, my emotional baseline is, mm-hmm. and hopefully I can stay above my emotional baseline in a good way rather than get below it, which is, it, which is I dipped below it okay. many times. Now thinking about the next steps, um, thinking about your residency, whatever mm-hmm. you choose to go into, mm-hmm. do you feel that one of the criteria when you start looking at these different programs would be a really good, you know, wellness program associated with the residency? Possibly. That's okay. definitely going to be one of the questions I'm going to ask as I'm going out on interviews is, is what kind of support do the residents get, mm-hmm. whether it's through an official program or maybe it's just a general attitude of the program that we take care of our residents. Um, so something formal or informal, I, I currently, I don't have a, um, uh, uh, I don't feel swayed either way. Like I have to have a formal program or an informal one. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do, I'm going to, I'm probably going to go with the feel of the program. That's Mm going to be a big deal for me. That was what helped me make my decision about where I went to medical schools. I went kind of for the feel of the program, not just, okay, objectively, here's all the pros and cons of the program, but how did it feel while I was there? How did it feel when I was meeting the people? How did I feel when I was meeting the the medical students? And I'm going to even more so do that for residency Mm. is just kind of go, this is where I feel like I'm going to belong and where I'm going to thrive and hopefully do really well and get a great education so that I can be someday a really great physician. Mm-hmm. Well, Rebecca, I have no doubt you're going to be an awesome physician. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. I'm yeah. glad you're willing to come on and share your story. Yeah. Last few minutes, let's talk about some other stuff. Okay. Um, you just got back from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where were you? What I were was, you doing? I was in Southern Utah. Okay, let's give a shout out to these people. Yep. All right, okay. So I, my, I'm alumni of Southern Utah University, mm-hmm. and I went through the Rural Health Scholars Program, and that is um, the pre-health program that I joined to provide me the framework so that I could navigate the undergraduate waters to get into medical school. And they, since I have left SU, they have also expanded some to some other college campuses, including uh, Dixie State University, and they were holding a summer healthcare exploration camp for high school students at Dixie. And this is actually a camp that I have done every year for the last five or six years. Did you do it as a high school student? Uh, I didn't do it as a high school student. That would have been, that would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Having done it as a high school student and then coming back as a, I did it, I did it as a counselor in college. And then now I've, usually they just take college students as the counselors, but I've loved it so much. And I was um, so embedded in the rural health scholars program while I was there that every year that I've asked to come back during medical school, they've agreed to let me come back. And Mm -hmm. so not only was I a counselor to the high school students, I was kind of the counselor to the college students while I was down there because they were, and you were the only med student. I was the only med student. Yeah. So I was the med student. And then all my co-counselors were the undergraduate students who are hoping to get into medical school in the next year or two. And then we were the counselors to all the high school students that were there exploring all these healthcare careers. Um, we were having lots of really cool workshops for the kids. Mm. We had respiratory therapists come in and they're, you know, they're on the mannequins for the babies, learning how to intubate children. Um, we're they're teaching them how to use an incentive spirometer. Um, they, we had an EMT workshop just talking about the, what, this is what it's like to be an EMT. This is what we do on the ambulance. 
um, uh, nursing. The nursing was actually one of my favorite uh, workshops. They had the kids doing uh, algebra. We were having to calculate dosages of oral medications for children, um, mm. learning how to weigh and weigh babies and measure their head circumference and then also listening to heart sounds and things like that. Just a really cool program, really cool, uh, uh, summer camp for these kids. And then for me as a counselor, it's, it's, it's great time to see these kids and, and, and what they want to do with their life and being able to provide them with a little bit of, um, direction and, and answer their questions. Cause I've been where they've been at. And then mm. also it was a nice little three day break from my study, <laughs> <laughs> from my step two study. And so it sounds like rural health scholars, um, it sounds like it's a, kind of like a track. Yes, almost. Okay. yes, yes. So what other activities do they do? Rural health scholars. So it starts in high school now and go through college? or It doesn't start in high school, but they definitely, um, they have this high school camp. And a lot of these kids are from rural places in Utah. And a lot of them are looking at like going to Southern Utah University, going to Dixie State University, going to Snow College, going to College of Eastern Utah, where RHS has, has um, spots. And what RHS does is it's a, it's a, it's a enrichment program. It's not a, necessarily a club or anything like that. What it is, is is you join and you pay your fees and these fees go to what is some really cool resources, really cool resources being access to, um, extra tutoring. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely utilize those tutorings when I was going through like organic chemistry and my chemistry courses, access to mentors. So the college students that are now seniors that are entering medical school in the next year or two, they are mentoring the freshmen that are coming in saying, these are the classes you need. This is what you need to be doing. They have a lot of really cool volunteer opportunities that are open only to rural health scholar students because local uh, community organizations that know that rural health scholar students are responsible and they're dedicated. Uh, they only let rural health scholar students come in and volunteer at the organizations. And there's a lot of volunteer hours that you want to get prior to going into healthcare careers mm-hmm. to put on your application for graduate school. And um, my favorite thing about the Rural Health Scholars Program was the cultural immersion trips that they offered. Uh, I forget how many I went on, but I went stateside. So I, I, I had gone to Las Vegas and worked at uh, the homeless shelters in Las Vegas with the Rural Health Scholars Program. I've gone to Shiprock, New Mexico and toured Indian Health Services. That's in the Four Corners area. That's in the Four yeah. Corners area, yeah. Um, and did some volunteer work while we were down there with the Boys and Girls Club. I'd also gone international. Uh, Rural Health Scholars has some uh, agreements with international programs uh, that provide uh, volunteer work for college students to come and work at rural clinics. I went to the Dominican Republic. I went to uh, Ghana in West Africa through the Rural Health Scholars Program. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my personal favorite uh, uh, option mm-hmm. that the RHS program offered while I was in college. That sounds like it's really grown too. Yeah, it's growing. Because, it's uh, multi-campus. Uh, is grow- I mean, mm-hmm. Southern Utah University is growing. Dixie State mm-hmm. University is growing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of interest, a lot yeah. of demand. So. Yeah. And, and, and I forget what numbers, but the freshman enrollment in the program is, is a little bit bigger every year. And, mm-hmm. and so they're growing and expanding and they're, and they're taking, and I, the way I describe it is it's this framework that provides you, here's your kind of, here's your to-do list. If you, if this is your goal, here's your track Mm -hmm. and here's the resources we're going to provide to help you get there versus just kind of like leaving you out in the wind to figure it out on your own. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot of moving pieces that you want to put together to, to have a successful undergraduate career and to have a successful application to medical school or dental school or, or nursing school or whatever healthcare, um, uh, career you choose. Cool. Well, Rebecca, it's been fantastic having you come on. I'm going to have you come back in a, in a few months because I think we want to update about what 
path you choose for Let's yourself and where you end up. Sounds so, good. Yeah. And, and just kind of in closing, I just want to say in summary, um, um, I, anything I said, I, I hope students, especially ones who haven't started medical school yet, hear my story and go, Oh great. This is what med school is going to be like. Like maybe I don't want to do it. That's wasn't my point at all. I feel like I'm one of the, um, kind of extreme examples as far as how, how, at least emotionally difficult medical school was for me. Um, everybody has their own personal struggles. Some people uh, struggled with academics more than they did their own personal wellness. Some people struggled with their family relationships more than they did maybe their own emotional and personal wellness. It's, it was more to just validate and and normalize. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I said that earlier, uh, that you know what, you're not alone. And if I did it, you can too. I love that. And well, if you want to do it, go ahead and go for it because it's scary, but you know what? Just one day at a time. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Thanks, Dr. Chan. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.